0: You're listening to His and Hers podcast. Bang, bang, gravy Chip.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the His and Hers Boxing Podcast. I am Neve Campbell, as always, joined by Lee Costello. Hey there. And today I'm doing the intro for change, but we also have a very important special interview today with Sean McComb the notorious West Belfast pro boxer. But before we get into that, Lee, you have something you want to say?
2: Yes, yeah, we have a, a brilliant interview with the public nuisance himself. But before we get to that, uh, I just wanted to talk about something that we sh- recently shared on our Twitter page. Uh, the This is the Rory's Wish uh, campaign sort of thing. It's, it's like a, so it's a GoFundMe page to try and raise money for this young kid whose wish is to learn how to walk because he has cerebral palsy. Uh, the GoFundMe uh, is just a link so if you can go on and share it or donate to it yourself then we can really help this kid's wish come true Um, you raise
1: awareness and just help on his journey because obviously the equipment and everything he needs to be able to fulfill this wish is quite expensive so Uh yeah every little help so you can check that out Um, we've we've shared it on our Twitter at his her boxing but you can also check it out
2: check out his page at Rory's wish to walk Uh, so he's a big football fan and an even bigger boxing fan he's actually signed up by MTK Global yeah. Um, we interview a lot of fighters on this show, but none of them are, have got quite the same heart and faith that this kid's got. So it would be really good if we can just help him out a little bit.
1: Yeah, exactly. And as always, just want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Stamina Sports at stamina.sports on Instagram. They are a local uh, Northern Irish business here and they've kitted our boxing club out. They've kitted us out with really great, high quality, affordable training gear. And they're sponsoring this podcast, so what mm-hmm. what isn't to love? And in the current climate and stuff, you know, who needs Nike and Adidas and the uh, nah. stuff that everybody has. Support your local businesses and go on and wear some bespoke gear that no one else has. Exactly. Really. Um, so, yeah, and without further ado, we're going to now get into the interview with 11-0 MTK Global Fighter, Sean McComb, uh, otherwise known as, yeah, the public nuisance, <laughs> and we'll find out the backstory to that too. And, yeah, enjoy.
2: Sean, we'll just start from the very beginning, like, I mean... So how, how, why boxing? You know, how did that evolve? How did that start?
0: Just uh, this just same thing I tell everyone, just the, my older brother's box, my dad box it was just in the family. And there was a boxing club. Holy Trinity boxing club was about, about two or three hundred meters down the street from where I live. So it was just it wasn't meant to be, you know, it was considering all the brothers' box and they were ice champions and stuff, it was it was only normal to to follow in their footsteps. What age were you when you walked in for the first time? Eight. I started, uh, first start first started boxing when I was eight. Um, I had my first fight when I was eight. It was just a wee club show, it wasn't taste or none, obviously. But it was a wee club show, and uh, holy Trinity kept us very active, like as kids, even though you're too young to enter. Juvenile championships, they kept it's almost like a friendly, and in, in every other sport, so friendly boxing matches against um other oppositions from different clubs and around the same age and same weight category. So I had my first fight when I was eight. So did you win? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> did you? Did you always? I know obviously because it's in your family and stuff. But did you always love it, or was there ever a time where you're like, oh Jesus, no, this isn't for me? Or did you like? Did you always know that's the career you wanted to pursue?
0: I don't know. I always loved it. Um, I didn't think, I didn't have this like urge about me that I, I can't wait to join boxing. I can't wait to me him to join boxing because you had to be eight because of insurance costs for the club. So it wasn't a case where I can't wait to tell him to join boxing. I can't wait to tell him to join boxing. It was just it was almost as if I had no choice when I was a kid, like, before it, because I knew, like, when I'm i made it, I going to join boxing because that's what we do, that's what the, like, I was always threatened by, like, my dad, or my brothers, when I was, at like, messing about, you're not going to Baxham when you're it. so see if you keep that up, like, if I was fighting out in the street when I was seven or whatever, you're not going to boxing. you keep that fighting up, so I was always threatened by because I knew I was always going, to, it was just normal to go, like, and follow in the footsteps, like I said So, but. There was, was a stage, like, early in my career. I was about 12, about 13, maybe, or 14. And my dad was like, just stick to playing Gaelic, like, for Gortemona, the because there was two, one or two bad decisions went against me. And I just felt like, what's the point? Like, what is the point of even training here and, and even trying to win whenever, like, decisions are going against you at a young age, like get And I just felt, my dad was like, just go and play football and play Gaelic again, play Hurling. I still played them at the, at the time, like, but he was like, just focus on them because boxing's just corrupt, slow as shit. And then, obviously, I was like, listening to my of routes, but I still went back to the boxing club, but I just, I was half-hearted, training and stuff at that age and didn't really care much for a year or two. You know? And then, the older brothers always tortured me because they were Irish champions and I wasn't. I was always Ulster and Adam champion, but could never win the Irish. And, uh, that was my goal before I stopped boxing was I need to win these Irish championships just so they can't have one over me. <laughs> and I, I, I kept me at boxing. Yeah. They just kept me at it. You did one better
1: though, did you? You got European bronze in 2015.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I won my first Irish title when I was 15. My older brother, David, had, our lame, he was the first in the house to win them. But he stopped boxing when he was about 16 because he was working on a building site and stuff. The older brother, David, they had won like five Irish titles. So he was like, I won one. He was like, I've won one. But sure, Liam was like, I've won one. And then (laughs) Dave was like, was five. So the goal was to keep going. And then, but when I won my first one, I knew what it felt like and I knew what it was like. So it just continued. And every year after that, I won the Irish title right up until I was like, right up until I turned professional, basically near enough. And uh, at every level, until elite level, and then, like I say, in two thousand and fifteen, I went and won a European bronze med as well. Yeah.
2: See, see, just see what you were talking about there. Like, uh, you went through a stage when you were younger of getting a couple of bad decisions. Uh, Things were going against you, and and you do you get that like that just that feeling that there's no point in in going forward or whatever. Do you think that's something that like nearly every boxer, young boxer especially, have to go through at some stage? We have a young boxer at a club, and he had a couple of bad decisions recently. Uh, well before lockdown and all that um and he was getting very disheartened and stuff this just, just something like i suppose it
0: comes with the territory it comes with the sport like it's it's going to happen regardless it's going to happen at the pinnacle of the sport it's going to happen at juvenile level we've seen Michael cannon in the olympics we've seen i believe it happened me in the world championships to qualify for the olympics and stuff like that it's going to dishearten you the whole way through your life but it's at the end of the day it's it's still a life, it's still your life, and it's still what you choose to do. So if you want to box, box. If you don't, don't. Like That's basically other people making the decision for you by disheartening you Mm -hmm. time and time again. But there is a lot of good benefits that come from it. Although things don't go your way in the boxing ring all the time, there's still all the benefits that come with it. Like, for example... Being away to countries you've never seen or heard of, like me, been in Kazakhstan for a month, a couple of times, Azerbaijan, Ukraine, all these mad countries, Doha, Qatar, all like there are places I've never, never have ever have went to if I had have decided when I was fourteen to call it a day. So mm-hmm. there is benefits, and then now I'm professional mom I'm beating, like I always say to kids, it's not about what you win now, it's about yeah. what you retire with. So. Overall goal, yes, you might you'll have hiccups along the way and that's normal. Mm-hmm. at the pinnacle of the sport, like it's what you retire with, like what you can look back and say you've done. Yeah. Regardless of what happens in that moment of, of losing when you're 14, 15, doesn't matter, it's not a job, it's only a sport. Like if you play a football match every week for a football team or a Gaelic match, and you lose, yeah, maybe once a month or once every four matches. Um, you don't get disheartened going at playing gaelic again. You just continue playing because you enjoy it. So you have to approach boxing at that age the same way until it starts paying you. Yeah. And when it starts paying you, then all right, you can you can get disheartened all you want. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's your wage. You can't walk away from it. Exactly. You're walking away from wage, you know what I mean? So
1: like this is just my personal opinion, but whenever you're boxing, like it's such an individual sport, and like like you say, like when you're playing with your Gaelic team and you lose it's sort of like, well, that's the scores there on the board, you know, someone got more points or more goals than you, and, like, the whole team has to take a hit, but do you think, like, it takes a certain type of person to be a boxer, because it is all on you, and the scoring system is a wee bit more, like, not as rigid as, like, team sports?
2: Yeah, it's not black and white, you know, if you lose 2-0 in, in like, a soccer match, that's, that's just fact, you can't, change that but like it. it you're losing a points
1: decision
0: in boxing yeah it's always up like... for
2: debate it's like oh, it was a different judge and As I
0: always say it's, it's, it's completely out of control in boxing it's not up to us whether we win or not so yeah. we can train we can train our balls off for 10 week camp put the ring in there twice a day sacrifice most most of our life days 10 of our family everything and there's five, three judges around the ring and it's not how you perform it's how they see the fate so it's a vote, it's literally a vote whether you win or not. Yeah. And the reason why it's, I think boxing is so good is because you have to adapt to win at all costs, no matter what. Like, you have to make sure you win. Like, you can't just win, maybe, yeah. because then it comes down to, wait there, I don't know whether he won or... And the judge is just guessing. It's close, very close. So, so in, in each round for me, you have to make that extra wee bit of something special. Like you need to be able to give that wee bit more in each round, just yeah. to make sure you've won them rounds, even when they're close. And if you know they're close, don't leave it close. Don't don't settle for something being so close. Go and give an extra wee ten five percent, whatever it may be, a wee burst of combinations before the bell goes and and people are scared to do that because in a way it might leave you exposed to to be countered and you could lose around. Mm-hmm. But then it comes with confidence of your training camp and doing it time and time again. So it becomes muscle memory and you just do it without even thinking. Yeah. Well,
1: See on that note, like what what type of boxer, like how would you describe your fighting stay?
0: Um don't know. Uh, I'm obviously a tall, skinny boxer, safe paw, or isn't he? I'm i am not am not a, a walk forward fighter. Like I'm not a slugger. who stands, trading punches, and more of a thinker. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like a very. I have a very high boxing IQ, and um, I'm very smart. I'm able to work out stage quite, quite easily, like, and I know the counter punch of their attack and stuff. So I would call myself a counter counter puncher. But, like. Defensive fighter, if you wanna say, but it's it's all done because I'm thinking of what they're gonna do for me to react and count as that. Uh,
2: what's
0: what's your ideal
2: opposition? Like what type of fighter do you enjoy fighting the most?
0: Um I, I don't know, it's it's a bit hard to say of I like fighting someone who tries to outbox me. Uh cool. I know they're not smarter than me. It's a fact. I know it. I don't care who it is. I just know they're not smarter than me. So if they want to try and move and counterattack me, they'll not be able to do it. Yeah,
1: it's definitely, it's definitely psychological. Like that's why everyone calls it the thinking man's sport. But like what you're saying, there, like it's not actually just all about. People think boxing is just getting in and beating the head off somebody and being violent, but actually a lot of it is. You have to think so much, like
0: being two steps ahead, setting traps, things like that. You have to you have to develop that over like fighting so many like, different styles of knowing what that person's going to do and how you counter it. And then what they're going to do, it's back forward, back forward. Like he's obviously trying to work at my game plan. I'm yeah. working out his game plan. I know his strengths. He knows my strengths. I know his weaknesses. He knows my weaknesses, but it's getting him to do that. Yeah. When he's not expecting, like, do you know what I mean? It's, and then people have habits of what they do repeatedly anyway.
2: Uh-huh.
0: And you just have to stop them from doing that. Yeah, I'm happy. It's smart. It's boxing. Like, it's not just see the way, see the thinking that goes on in boxing. You could be a f- surgeon. Do you know what I mean? But <laughs> the same amount of years you have put on the boxing, I could be a qualified surgeon now with the same. If I put the same time in the something like that rather than boxing. It would be I could be a surgeon. it's crazy.
2: Um. So just talking a little about your your amateur crew. You said that you were with Holy Trinity. What what's what's it like? Uh, learning your trade at Holy Trinity. We we talked to Kevin Nagyarko as well. And he was sort of telling us all about it. And I was asking him just because like we take kids down to shows and things and then uh, Holy Trinity will be fighting at it as well. And uh, every, every time it doesn't matter if they're, I don't know, like 12 years old or if they're 18 or they're fighting in the seniors. There's this like, it seems to be like a Holy Trinity traditional check hook and spin off, And it's so like over the top exaggerated, but like it works. Um, is that something, that, just out of curiosity, is that something that's like ingrained Like a trademark sort of punch, or what's
0: what's it like? Yeah, Stephanie, something that I mastered at a young age. Like, I was was the king of the check hook, like the pivot. Um, Mickey Hawkins just brings it in because it's so effective at at that level. Um, and uh, like kids, kids are novices really, so they just come playing forward. So, we develop feet work and timing. And if you're able to, take a half step back and tame a check hook. Yeah. True. You're going to be good. And that's it regardless. Like, so you learn the basics of boxing and you have good timing.
2: Uh-huh.
0: You're going to be burning. That's, that's the rare thing that you can't really teach, Like you can tell them to do it, but knowing from them kids, knowing when to do it is a yeah. different. And, it's been it's it's ingrained in Holy Sydney. Like anyone I've like my brother boxed, he was the same. Just check out people won two, check out gone. Yeah. He won five Irish titles, doing I've won don't know how many Irish titles now. Um but it's just something we do and it's it's just a Mickey Hawkins thing. He just he, he's he's been around the world, he's he's been head coach at the Olympic Games, come off games, world championships at the elite level. So huh? he picks up what he sees from the, the best in the world. In, in them days, the Cubans, He very specific with what the Cubans done and how they boxed. And he brought that style back to Holy Trinity and started teaching it from, from age right through. So that no matter what, that like we've had fighters come to our club who have boxed at elite level and competed at the very, like joined later on. For, for example, Anthony Kakechi, yeah, he was British champion. Nice, but when he left Oliver Plunkett to join Holy Trinity, he was brought right back to basics. And Mickey Hawkins had him moving up and down the lanes, uh-huh. almost where the, where the kids would be to learn how to move again. And he was like, oh, "What the fuck says this about? Like, <laughs> learn how to move, learn how to box. Like, you can stand two punches all day, but it's learning how to move is is the difference." Yeah, and that's what I think as well, boxing good feet work beats any, like, if you have good feet work, you're going to be hard to beat.
1: How do you, how did you then decide that you were going to, because you obviously had such a, like, a fantastic amateur career, like, talk us through the process of thinking, right, this is it now, like, you know, I'm going to turn pro. Like, did you go to the likes of Mickey and stuff to, like, get his opinion?
0: Uh, I will, I first, firstly, I asked Mickey to train me as a pro coach, and he said no. And I was just like, "Right, okay." He's trained me from when I was eight till I was twenty-six. So he's put a lot of time into me, and put nearly twenty years of time into me. Yeah. Uh, to train me, he just bit, just know. It was just a no. It says, "Look, I'm gonna go professional. No, he actually spoke me of it. I had a meeting in, um, I had a meeting with MTK in two thousand and sixteen, I think. Um, and then like, he sort of. Talk me into just stay for another year or two. We we'll go to come off games with us, and he he sort of spoke, talked me into doing it anyway, and I did. I stayed for actually two years, and then after the come off games in two thousand and eighteen, I just come home and says, ain't going pro," and he tried to talk me out of it again. I says, "You're not doing it. I'm picking my mind up and doing it. I want you to train me." He's like, "No, I'm not doing." It. He says, "Why?" He just he says he just hates professional boxing, so I was like, "Great." So when was on the hunt for a new coach and with Paddy Barnes being so close to me on the Irish team and stuff, he was over training in Glasgow with Danny Vaughan and I just contacted Paddy to say, would Danny have me? And he says, oh, i come over and train for a week and sure let Danny see what he, what he's dealing with. And you do the same, we both can decide on whether he's legged or not. And mm-hmm. I've done that and haven't looked back from it, so.
2: That's it. And do you find that having... Uh... So I suppose you could say that you, you, you turn pro relatively late, like it's not like you you know, a lot a lot of fighters as soon as they turn 18 boom pro and they try to find their feet in the pro game really early on. So did you find adapting from the amateur game to the pro game was more difficult because you were an amateur for so long? Or do you find that fighting at such a high pedigree
0: actually just puts you in a better
2: stead to make that? Uh, I,
0: I found it easy. I found it far easier. Like professional boxing is far easier.
2: What, what, what's what you
0: like it's slower. There's more time between punch selection. and there's more time to think. Yeah. there's more time to discover mistakes. There's more time to to do what you want to do. Yes, the gloves are smaller, but they're it's sore to get hit. Very sore. Like compared to the amateurs, it's not even sore at all.
2: Yeah,
0: um, people are trying to hurt you. Like there is all we of things, but. If you've, if, like, if you've just got a set of balls, you don't care about getting hit. You can hit every day anyway. It's
2: Yeah.
0: Yes, you just have to break down sometimes and take it, but it's, you'll not get hit as often. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you've had much time to think, you know what I mean? The, the, yes, the rounds are longer as well. They go up to like 10, 12 rounds. I fought two 10-rounders now and I'm one 8-rounder, but you just, that's, that's up to you to condition yourself to train on it. Mm-hmm.
2: I just, just from watching it, like obviously I don't know, but uh like to me amateur boxing, especially like Irish fighters, it's so like up on their toes, you know, it's and it's so trained that way, and we're conditioned to do that and, and be bouncing a lot. And uh, when you turn pro, like is one of the things they tell you is like settle down.
0: Yeah. You know
2: it's
0: very hard to sustain that for twelve rounds on your toes. It's impossible. It's not yeah. impossible, but I mean it's it's not easy. It's yeah. far from you. and it also takes a lot of power away from your punches because you're not sit down on your punches. You need the, like, you need to develop power from your legs, which need to be planted in the ground. So for you moving about, jumping about, it's going to be tip top where your opponent's just going to keep coming all day, and you're not actually going to hurt them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. What
1: about, what about as well though? Like, just because I think people don't actually know, like. People say all the time, "Oh, like I'm going pro," and people don't know that process. Like, did MTK contact you? Did you go look in them? You know what I mean? Like, what what actually happens, or is it like talent scouts sort of see you and be like, "Why didn't you come with us?" Or what what was the
0: process? Yeah, well, just I I actually said to Jamie Collin and approached the MTK myself. As, 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 like Jamie's dad trained me anyway, and like in the amateur team, John Collin, so he sort of had an idea that it was going. And I just says, I'll speak to Jamie when I'm home. So Jamie's just like a friend of mine anyway. Um, And I just says to Jamie, I, like, I want to go pro. If, that, and he was like, right, right, leave it with me. And so basically I approached him really. Um, He knew I was doing it anyway. So he would have probably asked me what's happening at some stage. So it was just like, it was mutual. Basically I just went and spoke to him and, just told him I want to do it, and he says, "Right, I can get your feet in here and fit your if you want to do it." He said, "Yes, let's do it." He got me a deal, and away we went.
1: The other thing I wanted to ask you too, sorry, because you were—I I know we sort of like skipped ahead here to pro, but <laughs> what was the crack with you getting? Because this is obviously why you're called a public nuisance now. But t- tell us the crack with you getting barred from surfers' parties.
0: <laughs> Just uh, I, I always get asked this question, and always um. <laughs> Come off games, two thousand and eighteen. Uh, I was Team Kevin and I and had a few mates up. They were in Melbourne living. Haven't seen him in a while, whatever else, and I lost to Pat McCorloc McCormick, sorry, and on a split this season. I another fight I thought I won and I left. I, I saw I ended up going out that night for a beer with the lads and I got put out of Sin City Nightclub for some reason. Can't even remember, it was black, and then uh <laughs> try to fu- and they were trying to pull the you accreditation know, we like you're accredited to get in there to your village but it's like an ID like, uh-huh. it's you can't get in there to the village the athletes' village without it so we just have to carry it everywhere we go and the doormen were trying to like pull it off me asking me what sport did you and I pushed his hand away and the or- one of the other doormen hit me so I hit him back and the both of us were fighting only about the ground and within about ten seconds the cops were everywhere and I was lifted and thrown the back of a car. Um, drove till surface parties police station and I got a fan for being for causing public nations and was banned from surface parties in Broadbeach for two weeks I think um, but then the come off committee were trying to send me home on a flight which I wasn't doing because I was staying an extra 10 days on holiday uh-huh. and then they were like, you need to come into the village. But I was staying in the friend's house over. I was like, I'm not going do the village because stay in the mate's house. They were like, where are you staying? I wouldn't tell them where I was staying. It was just back and forth. I was like, go and check the CCTV, go and check the CCTV, go and check the CCTV. And all these news reports was just all over live TV in Australia and everything. And I was in this my mate's house in uh, service parties on the Gold Coast, just living it up, didn't even care. Like, and then... John Callum phoned me and was like, "Look, listen, we're, got, we're allowed to see the CCTV, so we're going to go down this afternoon. I'll ring you back and let you know what happened." And he phoned me back, and the head of security for Team NI uh-huh. reviewed the CCTV and seen that it was actually self defence, so I got offered I lifted the ban and the rest is history. But I still, I still owe the fan. I still owe three hundred and <laughs> oh, sorry, five hundred and sixty-seven dollars, <laughs> fan. Uh, I'm refusing to pet obviously I don't I don't think I'll be back anyway so no
2: probably not yeah and you got a good nickname out of it
0: yeah Yeah, I turned a a negative into a positive (laughs) that's exactly what it
2: is
1: (laughs) this is it
0: um
2: well obviously we've interviewed uh, quite a few people but one of our best interviews was probably the first one with Jerome McKenna yeah Um. he, he had loads of stories with when in his amateur days and Along the lanes, pretty much. Uh, do you have any? You say everyone always asks you about that one, but do you have any that maybe other people don't really know or isn't as famous? Surely there has to be some sort of. His was the prank that he pulled on Tommy McCarthy and he nearly got kicked off the Irish yeah, team. Yeah, yeah.
0: There's loads and loads of stories that's just. Uh, there's a. Uh, obviously, you know, like there's a cold, like no one's. Sloan <laughs> <a, like, laughs> <Bruno> didn't care. <laughs> he doesn't care. He's fucking nuts. <laughs> no, there was one There was a fella I'll tell i not say anything but I'll give you a story Okay uh, There was a fella on the, we were on the Irish team we were away at the Europeans Yep. and competition was over Um, we all went out and had a pint one of the lads on the team was blacked absolutely steaming um, <laughs> we were in the casino it was the casino nightclub but then this fella went down to the casino and tried to deposit what we are in where were we, Belarus, yeah. and Minsk, and uh, the fella deposited money, but whatever happened, it was just, he thought it was their money, he thought it was like 80 quid or something, Um, and then, I don't know what happened, I was upstairs in the nightclub, raving the grave anyway, so I didn't care, this fella was downstairs in the casino, as, as, far, as, I, as far as I knew, and I, uh, we went to the, I was in the lobby then about three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. And I was fucking laying sleeping on City in the lobby and one of the TV boxers came into me, Andrew Selby. I was uh-huh. like, sure. He woke me up and I was like, wow, well, well, I was sleeping. He's like, uh, where's such and such? And I was like, "Why?" Well, like, where is such and such? I was like, I don't know, he's in the casino. He's like, no, he's not. He's not there because they want to fucking, uh, he lost eight grant, and I was like, Wow. He he's like, he lost eight grand, quick, where is he? And he was like, he lost eight grand, you fucking nut. And he's like, oh, lad, quick, where is he? So I was like, I don't even know, I, I jumped up anyway and then I started panicking, going, what do you mean he lost eight grand? He's like, the fucking took eight grand on him. And I was like, what the fuck's driving up? The foul was absolutely parlatic. One <laughs> up, sick, everywhere, really fucking shooting, fuck off, uh, whatever. So I was that. Next day we get up and we were flying home island. Uh-huh. Ireland. Um, everyone down. And the fella, I like, grabbed the phone and say, "Lad, you you need to check your account because Andrew Salvey says to me last night. If I, I I could barely remember. This. I like, I don't know what made it come to my mind. I was like, check your account because someone told me last night that you lost the Grand Casino. And, and the fella was still the wee bit drunk. Obviously, from the night before, he was like, "No, fuck off, no, I didn't." I was like, "Check." He's like, "Oh, don't, don't be saying this. Don't be saying this." <laughs> He looked at his account and he eight grand 8023 pounds from his missing and he went sheet weight. He near fainted. <laughs> oh, i him laugh. Like, what the fuck are you laughing at? I was like, Jesus Christ, I thought I'd drop that. So he ran next door to the casino, fucking started going mad. demanding his money back, and they were like, okay, yes, we'll give you it back, we'll give you it back. So they gave him like a receipt. Uh-huh. we like, yes, you're kicking this receipt on he's like, Right, right, make him back in again. And the bus, we were on the bus ready to go to the airport. And he's like, Oh, I've got it, I've got it. Lucky enough, our our coach, Czar, speaks Russian. So uh-huh. we were like oh. and he's like, Hey, oh shit, let's give his name. Put this out, but anyway, I'll tell you, right? So he's like, okay. Hey, let me see this receipt. And he was like, he looked at the receipt and he was like, Oh fuck. He's like, Oh no, what the fuck? You need to go back in, then that he's like the- did you put card in the machine? He was like, no, he's like, you need to go back. This is just on your account. This is not in, this is on your casino account, not your actual fucking bank account. So we all had to go back in. The boss was, and everyone was going, you need to go, you need to go. And the team Hannigan, or the the team manager, Joe Hannigan, was giving out, we need to go, we need to go. And he went back, and again, he was in the casino for like 15 minutes with one of the psychologists, sports psychologists of the team, and, they got the fucking, there were phrases, the bus, we were literally cutting the tight to catch our flight, and um, we end up going back, and he got a day grant grand, went back in his account by the time we got to the airport, because the Russian coach went in and was able to sort it out. So they gave him a receipt saying, you still got a grand, but it's in your casino account. Aye, so be be good we'd good have had to fly back to get if he ever left the country, and Aye. luckily enough, he was able to, to get it back. But fuck me, stuff like that or fucking. I at home to his wife and fucking going, oh, geez, I spent eight grand. I know. Him, him thinking he gambled 80 quid and it's not even 800, like eight grand. Oh my God. 80 quid, but he was putting 80 quid in his account anyway because see, a casino account, you can buy a drink with it. So, yeah. We all had to do it. We all had to open an account to get into a nightclub. Cause it's a big casino and an A club upstairs, and every one of us needed to open account. So he just deposited like eighty quid. He thought, and he was like, "I'll get us a couple of drinks anyway." And fucking, they end up depositing like 8,000 fucking whatever.
2: So amount to drink. They
1: probably get. thought these mad Irish boys <laughs> coming over spending the big bucks here.
0: We'll scant the flop. <laughs>
2: Don't worry, we'll beep out the name as well. <laughs> yeah, <sorry>.
0: There's no <laughs> anyway. He tell himself, but just not for everyone else, because at this stage he wasn't even supposed to be again. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. Uh, no,
2: go, was, we're going to take it back to, to to boxing just for a little while. Anyway, like, to just tell us what uh, you're 11 or no at the minute. Obviously, lockdown sort of slowed things down just a little bit. You were getting some real momentum going, but what is the, what's the end goal for Sean McComb? Like, what, what can we expect to see?
0: World champion, like, it's, it's yeah. no, it's only thing I, I set the barrier high, like, why not? I wouldn't have eaten Timberfest if I didn't think it was good enough to do it, you know what I mean? So, I'm not in this game for anything else, like, I'm not in it for money, I'm not in it for, like, my main goal, like, I, I asked, I always say this as well, I asked Paddy Barnes a question before in camp, uh-huh. about two years ago, saying, he, what would you rather do, win the lottery, or win a world title? And he said he'd rather win the lottery. And I wouldn't. I would rather win a world title. eh? I don't want to be rich. I would just want to be known for something I've put every hour of my time into. Yeah. So, for me, I would feel better. That would be a better achievement for me. And it would never leave you. Uh
2: Yeah.
0: Winning the world than than win the lottery because at the end of the day, you win the lottery, you win the lottery. That's that's, that's something I haven't put my time into, you know what I mean? So, the reward for me would be I would die uh,
2: happy man if I won a world title Yeah, you know I, mean? And, I mean I will win a world title I and, all. Um, and you, like, it's like you say that is it forever and then like when you retire and whatever for the rest of your life when you're being introduced on shows or anyone's just talking about you in articles it'll be former world champion Sean McComb. Do you know what I mean that that, that tag yeah, always stays
0: it lives, it lives, it lives with me forever like yeah
1: what made you want to go back? Because like you know, I was reading there in your last fight in August. You know, you're you're super lightweight, and you're going down to lightweight. Um yeah. What what made you want to do that? Because you're really you're really tall for your weight anyway. Like
0: <laughs> no, no, just because I can't like I can't do it. Um, I went and got a, I have a nutritionist, Stephen Floyd. My mate, he's a mate of mine as well. He's a master of nutrition, and we went over to Liverpool, got a Daxis scan, and just worked out all the measurements of what weight I can be, very healthy, and it was lightweight. Lightweight's my limit, so I would like to start and start picking up titles at lightweight.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Hopefully, when I were to a title at late lightweight, move up to super lightweight, move up to wealth. Because I'm big enough to do it, I'll just develop along the way, just keep progressing up weights. Hopefully, like when I reach a pinnacle of the sport and have some super feats along the way, so I think it's the opportunities that'll come better at lightweight because super lightweight. When you look at the world, I'm actually ranked high in the UK.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, I think I'm ranked 8th or something, but I've no belts. Mm-hmm. Everyone above me or below me have, have belts. Yeah. Like, people below me have belts. Like, my stablemate, Sam Maxwell, is ranked 10th or name He's below me, and he's European champion. Mm-hmm. And that's based on the opposition. With have both fought. I fought, as they say on the on the rankings, that I fought harder opposition, but it's been for no belts. So then people do have belts, they want to fight me. Yeah.
2: Because
0: why would I fight him? Because he's not bringing a belt to the table, plus it's more mm-hmm. likely going to lose. Exactly. The, the, so it doesn't make sense, the, sense for him to, to lose against me. The only way I've got to take a chance at a belt is if it's made vacant or vacant or if someone else fake hits and I fight against someone else who hasn't a belt. Yeah.
2: No, that's it. You're sort of um, too much risk without not enough reward. Kennedy. Exactly.
0: Who would your dream opponent be?
1: Like, at the minute if you were to get sort of a world title shot tomorrow, like, who would you like to fight?
0: Um, I'd like to put a bit of honour in the ran Garcia. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just think he's I actually don't rate him at all. He's oh, really? explosive and he has power, but he's no defense. He's nothing. He's very easy to work out. And he's 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 a pretty boy. He's like he's it's more he's the look of boxing. Like Poland boy look like, after him. He's fucking like for me he's getting that's everything that's wrong with boxing now. Like it's all about what you look like, how you do you like are you good or are you not good? Simple as that. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, just a big for a box in the column. That's exactly it, Do you know what I mean? It's just, you're either good or you're not. Now, don't get me wrong, he's good to a certain extent, but who's he fighting? He's beating yeah. up these buttons, he's getting paid hundreds of thousands for it, and it's only because of who he is. It's all popularity you now, it's all about if you're popular or not. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I mean, you don't have to be popular. Like, the way they look at it is the marketing. Promoters promote you when you're good looking, you're issued, you've got everything, you've got it all. But he doesn't have it all because he's not good at boxing. He only gets so far.
2: Yeah,
0: exactly. And then he'll be exposed and then he'll just be ditched and through the gutter and someone else will think do it all again. That's what promoters do. Yeah. But he's just milking it now because he's been doing it for like 20 odd feats, beating up bums. Exactly. He's paying thousands for it, which is smart in his behalf because he's casing in on money mm-hmm. that he's not even worth. So
2: he's like sort of. He's made his career nearly off the back of Instagram more than anything else. Exactly. Yeah. That's uh, that's what it is, nearly. Like. But you can't really do that because your Instagram keeps getting
0: hacked. <laughs> 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 Luckily it's gonna back. Thank God this time we've got it back for good. Hopefully. What's going on? What happened? Jake, someone's out to get you. Someone is out to get me. That's exactly what's wrong. I don't know who it is, but Ryan Garcia. <laughs> Ryan Garcia is hacking me, so he, so I can't get popular enough. So he has to take a fight with me.
2: <laughs> that's the uh, that's going to be the headline of this podcast. Yeah. Ryan Garcia is hacking Sean McCombs Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> he
1: gets sued for slander. Um, but like in terms, of like I know you're saying, like yes, Ryan Garcia is the Bieber box and stuff. But Sean, you're very, you have a lot of trademark things yourself. You know, you're the long cash roll-up, you've got your bang bang gravy chip and the ch- the chicken dance walkout can you, where did that, where did the bird is the word, whole
0: walkout dance come out of? I don't even know, it didn't have a walkout song for like I'm always organised I always come out to madness uh-huh. um, and a bit of ska music because I love it, I just, I like all that music, it gets me, it gets me in a good mood and then on this occasion, it was just, I didn't even have, like, it was no crowd or nothing. I wasn't even thinking of it. Like, there's no one even to play. There's no one, there's no nothing. Like, what's the point even, I was just going to say, play anything. But the day before the weigh-in, I was in the hotel, quarantine, like, and I was losing weight because I had the weigh-in the next day. So I had the swaggy on, I had the music on my phone, and I had Spotify on. And um, I added that bird is the word to my song, or to my playlist, months ago like when i was black i was blacked and locked down and i was bouncing about with my mate um <laughs> me and Marty o'hara jumping about like headers listening to it bird is the word and it was just one innings. and then on the spotify playlist i was sitting on the bike losing weight just cycling sweat sweating and i was a wee bit like fed up like i can't wait this is over because all i want to do this days is eat drink yeah like like fluid so I was just sitting pissed off and then that come so, that song come on the headphones, bird is the word. I was like, fuck it, I just started buzzing and then. I was panning, <laughs> in the room. Like, just this big re- release of energy came and I was just like, That's my walk and right song. So I just shirt, I just hit the wee three buttons on the side, shared it straight till the, the guy who was doing the, the ring walk music and he was like, Ha ha ha, classic. So no one knew I was doing it. Not like none of the promoters, none of the managers, not my coach, no one knew I was doing it. So whenever and the we, um, one name sets it, are it's like a where we were, it was like a, a unit, like a big, massive unit, yeah, like a unit. And when I done the when when the and introduced my name, and the song come on, I just heard everyone laughing, like, <laughs> all, this, like all the MTK ones, all the coaches were looking over laughing. And I was like doing the chicken dance, but I didn't yeah. know where to look because there was no courage. <laughs> and was like, in the ring, it was only about five, about Six meters from the where I came from, to the ring. So it wasn't even long enough, and I was like looking about, going, "Who am I even looking at here?" So I started looking directly at the camera, and I wasn't sure <laughs> if it was the right camera or not. And I was just like, "Oh Jesus, what was done?" Didn't think it's one thing. Oh, gig!
1: It was. Oh, it was we memorable. really enjoyed
0: it. Yeah, we really enjoyed it.
1: Um, and then the, uh, <laughs> I, I actually love that song. I love that Family Guy episode, but um. Uh-huh. The, <laughs> The other thing was for all the people who aren't from Belfast or Northern Ireland, do you do you want to explain what a long cash roll-up is?
0: A wrong a long cash roll-up is something that probably all the Republicans on the Republican Platinum Jail would have used because they were the way they were treated, they weren't even allowed to back in. So when when they smuggled tobacco in through their roof, there is there assured there's a shared tobacco between the whole wing and long cash and the H blocks And they were so thin. That they only had like two wee strands of tobacco oh, to do them, yeah. They smoke it between the whole wing, and it was passed down the wing, so it was so skinny. As I was referring to myself as being as skinny as the long case, so because it had about fucking two grains of tobacco in it. <laughs>
1: that's you, that's you,
2: all right. Thanks. Well, just um, and what, what's with the sign off as well? Bang, bang, gravy chip. What's What's the story behind that?
0: It's just an old Holy Trinity thing that we all would have said years ago. Was, we were all a good squad. of us in the club and it was just like, bang, bang, gravy chip. It was just like, how did the Bang, bang, gravy chip. No, like, <laughs> easy as that. Like, just, ah, oh, easy work. And it was just it was just stuck. We all said it. Me, D. Walsh, Rory Dalton, we all said it. And it's just, it's always so stuck. I
1: love gravy chip. I'm actually starving now.
0: Yeah. Get a big whack of plain bread, load of butter on it, gravy, chip. There you go.
1: Great <laughs> stuff. Right, we're going to play a few games you, Sean, and then that'll do. Us. Is that okay? Yep. Right, Leila, you go
0: first.
2: Cool. So we're just going to do uh, a quick fire round. So you just empty that head of yours. As best you don't you want to know what comes here.
0: You don't, what, you don't want to know where I think.
2: <laughs> uh, the, the questions are fairly civilised, I think. Um, so just as quick as you can first thing sort of comes
0: to the head my brother was trying to ring her so probably come up muted but don't worry about it I hung up oh, no
1: right.
0: no, worries
2: um, first question if you weren't a boxer what would you be? prisoner <laughs> there's the long case. Yeah. Uh, best opponent you shared a ring with that could be sparring fighting just whatever
0: uh, La Cruz Andy Cruz sorry Andy Cruz a Cuban all oh, right.
1: right, okay. Uh, Cubans are tough, like. Yeah,
0: just Just uh, destroyed
2: me. Just uh, destroyed me. <laughs> bang, bang, gravy chip. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Favourite sport other than boxing? Hurling. Okay. Uh, pound for pound, best in the world right now is? Loma Chango. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson? Muhammad Ali. Favourite fighter to watch growing up? Um, Ricky Hatton If you can change one thing about boxing what would it be? Judges Yeah.
0: What drug advice would
2: you give sorry you went and drug users and drug users oh yeah, yeah.
1: just the corruption in
2: general <laughs> general corruption uh, what advice would you give to a 21 year old Sean McComb
0: stare in trouble
2: then <laughs> you wouldn't have got the public nuisance yeah
0: no <laughs> everything happens for a reason
2: exactly. that's it uh, Desert Island question: You can only watch one fight for the rest of your life on TV. What fight do you pick?
0: Um Ray Leonard versus Marvin Hagler. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Yes, last question. Uh, so you've just finished your career. You've done everything that you wanted to do, and you're in like, you know, every, everyone wants sort of a piece of you. So you decide to write a book, an autobiography. It's selling yeah. off the shelves. The title of that autobiography
0: is. Mm, I don't even know. Crazy one. I don't know. Um, <laughs> welcome to the good life. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: so it's like something like notorious Biggie or something. with like or Snoop Dogg. With good life?
2: <laughs> Same sort of stories. Well, well done. You survived the quick fire ride. Then right. Oh,
1: we're gonna. The last thing is you're gonna build your perfect boxer. So I'm gonna like shout out like pieces of the body, like anatomy. And you have to tell me like so. If you could have the chin of any boxer, what who would it be?
0: Roberto Duran.
1: Cool. Yeah. The heart.
0: Um, Tyson Fury. Stamina. Lomachenko.
1: Right hand power.
0: Canelo Alvarez.
1: Sweet. Left hand power.
0: Um. Andre Ward. Yeah. Footwork? Lomachenko. Box and IQ, Sean McComb. <laughs> uh,
1: I was gonna say, yeah, you can pick yourself, but as long as you do, know. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: and then finally, hand speed.
0: Um, Ragondo, oh, oh, that's uh, a good one, yeah, that's
1: yeah. an old one. it's
0: a new for. one, yeah.
2: Most people, Joe Kilzaki, I think, is probably the most popular. Yeah,
0: he doesn't punch, he slaps.
1: <laughs> uh,
2: that, that's another thing people say,
1: <laughs> Peter so Sean, thanks very much for, for coming on and having a, a good crack chat with us today.
0: No worries at all, enjoyed that, thank you for having me.
2: So, we figured out why he's called the public nuisance, we figured out the backstory and the thought process behind uh, doing the chicken walk, mm-hmm. to, as his mm-hmm. ring walk, um, the chicken y- dance, sorry. The
1: long cash roll up. Yeah, yeah. so Do there's really a story behind that
2: too, and then we got an exclusive a uh, story about a gambling incident in in, in a casino. Uh, he
1: did name the person, but I've now edited it out. Sorry yeah. for absolute uh, slander label. <laughs> but
2: dedication. if that person does want to come forward, uh, we know, we know, I think we know who it is. But we're not. We'll not let We'll, <laughs> we'll let. We'll out. let everyone else guess. We'll let everyone else guess. Yeah.
1: Um. But yeah. Thank you so much for listening, as always, guys. Remember to like, share, subscribe, follow us on our social media platforms at His and Her Boxing on Instagram and Twitter. Give us a wee review. It really helps out. And yeah, tell everyone about us for across all major streaming platforms. And again, thank you to Stamina Sports for being our fantastic sponsor. And have a great week. We'll see you soon.
2: Bang, bang, gravy chip.